Welcome to the Hilltop United Methodist Church podcast. Hilltop is located in Sandy, Utah, 985 East, 10,600 South. Locals would say 106th. Our two worship services are at 9 o'clock and 10.30. Hope to see you this Sunday. God bless. Bye-bye. This is... This passage that we have today is what Paul has been driving at towards the entire letter. He has been dealing with the church in Corinth. He's been talking to them about the, the things that bring them division, that divide them. He's been talking to them and reminding them that tongues are not the most important thing. Prophecy is not the most important thing. Wisdom, knowledge, it's not the most important thing. And he's, he's reminded them repeatedly that there's haves and have-nots in the group, and they're forgetting that. They've forgotten the fact that they, they need to behave like followers of Christ and see each other as equals. Then we get to this passage here, and this is his passage. This is where he's driving at throughout the entire letter to get to here, to get to this place, to get to this place and remind the Corinthians about what is truly important. Not this other stuff about the ability to speak in tongues and and be able to make prophecy and to be the smartest guy around or the, the fact that you follow Apollos or Peter or Paul. He wants to focus on what is truly the core issue. I'll be reading to you from uh, the New Revised Standard Version, which is your pew Bible, 1 Corinthians 12, 31, B, and I'm on page 174. And I will show you a still more excellent way. If I speak in the tongues of mortals and of angels, but do not have love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give away all my possessions, and if I hand over my body so that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. But as for prophecies, they will come to an end. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will come to an end. For we know only in part, and we prophesy only in part. And when the complete comes, the partial will come to an end. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became an adult, I put, a, I put an end to childish ways. <coughs> For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then we will see face to face. For I know only in part, then I will know fully, even as I have been made 
fully known. <coughs> and now, faith, hope, and love abide. These three, and the greatest of these, is love. This is the Word of God for the people of God. I don't speak Eskimo, but I've been told that the Eskimo language, there's something like 40 words to describe snow. 40 words. And the reality, I heard a reading there which focuses on the word love. And the reality is, is in the Greek language that this passage is brought, brought from, there are more than one word to describe love. I don't think there's 40, but there's more than one. Um, I've read some places there's like six, some places there's eight. Uh, C.S. Lewis has written a book upon the four words of love where he talks about those. And I'm going to take three of those and want to talk a little bit just for brief about those three words. One is philios. Philios is the, 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 the word of like brotherly love. So Philadelphia is called the city of brotherly love. Now that was the original uh, idea behind the place. I don't know what's happened in the last 200 years, uh, but people who throw snowballs at Santa Claus during football games, it's hard to believe they're really brotherly love kind of people. Okay. Did I, is there anybody else from Philadelphia here that I just insulted? Okay. Um, but so there, there is a transition that has occurred there, but philios is this brotherly love. And I, I tend to think that when soldiers and sailors and airmen and coast guardsmen talk about loving their fellow, uh, fellow in the arms, in the profession of arms, I think they're talking this kind of philios, the brotherly love. It's that, that idea. Someone in the foxhole, I love him. I love her. They're not talking about marriage kind of love. They're talking about this brotherly love that's there. Then we have this other word that we have, that we've borrowed into English, and it has to do with heat, sensuality. It's the hot kind of love. And frankly, the Greeks were afraid of this. The, the Greeks like to live up here. They like to live uh, up here in this area, and this idea of having some kind of love that would lose control that had passion associated with it was something that they distanced themselves from. This is, this is dangerous stuff. This is risky stuff. The word is eros, E-R-O-S. And the word that we often use in the English language drawn from that is like erotic, hot, sensual, heat, that, that kind of idea. And that's, that's a, a word that could have been used for love. But Paul doesn't use that word. Paul uses a word that is spelled A-G-A-P-E. In, in, in Greek, it's pronounced agape, agape. When we've anglicized it a little bit, we call it agape, agape. Uh, so if, you, people, if I slip up and say agape, I'm talking about this Greek word. And it was, it was in the Greek language for Paul to use. But Paul sort of takes it and he rebaptizes it. He baptizes it with a new meaning. What he baptizes it is, is, is this idea of like how God loves. The word in Greek originally meant this love of your fellow, of fellow human creature. 
creatures. And Paul baptizes it, and he talks about it in the terms of this unconditional love, this idea of love that doesn't require a response back. We, we, it's God's love is given to us, and he gives it this, this in this passage here. And so that's how we, under, we need to understand that this word love here isn't like I love Marilyn. It's not that kind of love. It's talking more along the lines of how it is that I love Bill Strickland. Collegial, but love, love that comes from loving like God loves. That's the nature there. Now, this middle section that we have, you often hear it used at weddings. Uh, they're there quite a bit. But actually, it's, the, the passage here is dealing with some kind of tension inside this church in Corinth. But we, we adapt it into weddings, and, and, we, and we, we bring it in here, and we have this love is patient, love is kind, and love is not envious. But what would happen in here if we substituted the word God for the word love? God is patient. God is kind. God is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. God does not insist on its own way, his own way. Think about that. Does that describe God in, in a way? I think it does. I think it's the way that, of how we might understand. That's the way God loves. God loves us. We love God because God first loved us. That's the key for us there. A few minutes ago, the choir sang a piece called Ubi Caritas. It's ecclesial Latin. And you might ask what that means, what, what the poetry that we just sang means. Where charity and love are, God is there. Christ's love has gathered us into one. Let us rejoice and be pleased in him. Let us fear and let us love the living God. And may we love each other with a sincere heart. Amen. That's an idea, I think, that shows some measure of maturity, understanding that in this we can, we can see that God when, when God, when love is present, God is present here for us. At the end of that passage, did you know, remember how I read to you the idea of the fact that when I was a child, I, act, I thought like a child, acted like a child? Remember all that? Okay. Now, Paul, who can at times be a little strong-worded, this time is actually being fairly gentle. He's actually being fairly gentle. This was the Galatians. He might actually be saying to them, Hey, grow up! Hey, stop being, behaving like children because that's what you're doing. I want to invite you into a love that has a maturity associated with it. And I want you to love like God loves. That's the homework assignment for us there. Now, those of you that have been to a wedding that I may have done, and those of you that recall sometimes the, the, the um, benediction I do here, are, are aware that in the Methodist structure for a wedding, there's a place near the end of the wedding where the pastor doesn't turn around to the two that have just shown love for each other. The pastor turns around and speaks to the congregation who's there. And what does he or she say? He or she say, says, now, all of you here who have just witnessed love in action, leave here and go show other people to whom love is a stranger what love looks like. 
That's what it's like to love as God loves. That's this agape love that we need to be aware of. And we understand that that kind of love flows from, from us because when we make that happen, when we display that for the world, God is there. God is there. And that's the invitation for us, is just to, is to see that, this unconditional, sloppy, forgiving kind of God. Kind of love, excuse me, kind of love. In a few moments, we're going to celebrate communion. In that, we're going to see what God's love looks like. We're going to see this sacrificial quality. It's this willingness to take ourselves, ask for us to be blessed, and then break and share ourselves back with the world. That's what we're going to ask to have happen. There's a high value for communion in this congregation. My invitation for us is to see during this ritual that we have a chance. We have a chance to stop and ask ourselves the question, where am I in this? That's really what I want you to think about quite a bit during the last part of this sermon and during the ritual of communion. Where are you in the drama? Where are you in this? When Paul sits down and says, grow up, is he talking to you? When Paul is describing what love looks like, patient, kind, doesn't ask for its own way, are you a person that needs that kind of reminder? And we have this thing here where Paul is talking about prophecy and wisdom and knowledge and speaking in tongues. Those are intended to be illustrative. It's not exhaustive. There are things that you may have. You don't need to wipe your brow and say, Phew, I'm off the hook. I don't try to speak in tongues. I don't try to prophesy. I don't try to have extreme knowledge. What is it that you might have that is separating from you from your community around you? What is separating you from God? How is it that you're not displaying God's love for everybody that's in this world? That's the, the fundamental question for you. What is it that you might be doing that causes you, while you're doing that, for God's presence to not be able to be made visible and manifest to you? So as we celebrate the ritual of Holy Communion, Eucharist, the great thanksgiving, let us pause and ask ourselves, where am I in this drama? What is it that I need to leave up here at the rail and give back to God so that I can understand what Paul is talking to me? Hilltop is located in Sandy, Utah. 985 East, 10,600 South. Locals would say 106th. Our two worship services are at 9 o'clock and 10.30. Hope to see you this Sunday. God bless. Bye-bye.